everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Illuminating the Stories That Bind Us. In this series, psychotherapist Jennifer H. Carey interviews and helps applicants illuminate a story that is binding them. We can all heal, learn, and grow from listening to how the beliefs and stories that we create can consciously and subconsciously run our lives, binding us and holding us back. Jennifer H. Carey also collaborates with Mick and Tess Pulver from Breakthrough Performance Workshop. At the end of each podcast, Mick and Tess prescribe a song for the participant to help them transform beyond the limiting story that they are telling themselves. Together, let's listen and shine light so we can break through and step forward into our unlimited potential. The voices and stories of these podcasts are true but names and other identifying information are removed to protect the privacy and confidentiality of the participants. Welcome back, everyone, to Illuminating the Stories That Bind Us. This is episode number 17 And today, our brave and courageous participant is a caretaker, and he has been from a very, very young age. So all of you caregivers out there, you'll want to listen to this podcast. The struggle of the caretaker is real, and our brave participant illuminates that with the story that he shares with us and the compelling dynamics of his family of origin, which formed this role and fed this story. Before we hear more from our participant, I just want to share a little bit in general about the caretaker struggle. And I think anyone out there that that knows this will, will be able to relate. Uh, and I believe that we're going to be able to help our participant start to break through the confines of this story layer by layer. So the struggle of the caretaker is real, like I mentioned before. And I had the honor to hear this very struggle in the pre-interview with this participant. And one of the biggest struggles is convincing yourself that to take care of yourself first, to give care to you so that your cup overflows onto others is healthiest and best for you and everyone. This feels so foreign to someone whose identity was created and built around being the caretaker in the family. I often share with myself and others the quote, what's healthiest and best for you is healthiest and best for everyone. And I'm always in awe of people where this this is natural. This notion, they like get it. They're like, they have healthy boundaries. They're just like, what? Yeah, no, I got to take care of me first. But I'm more like this participant. And even though I've done a ton of work, I still have to take an extra pause, an extra time to discern, is this healthiest and best for me? And then to believe what's healthiest and best for me is healthiest and best for everyone. So we know intellectually that the following quote is true. Rest and self-care are so important. When you take time to replenish your spirit, allows you to serve others from the overflow. You cannot serve from an empty vessel. And that's by Eleanor Brown. And we all know the oxygen mask metaphor, but he talks about put the oxygen mask on you before you put on anyone else. So with compassion and curiosity, I want us to listen to the story of how our participant formed an identity of being a caregiver and help 
him illuminate and release this story so that he can live a life that he wants to, which is a life where he's able to take care of himself and the family and children that he longs to have and be able to live out his purpose. So welcome, Brave and Courageous Participant. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Can you please share with us how you believe this story was formed? Well, um, I started taking care of my uh, grandparents when I was a teenager, starting when I was about 14 years old and until I was about 19 years old. Um, and they had, um, developing alcohol induced dementia. Okay. So, and it presented a lot like Alzheimer's. So, you know, they were, they were losing their mental faculties. They were losing the ability to walk around. Um, and a lot of the times specifically with my grandmother, the responsibility fell on me to, to take care of her. Mm -hmm. And I think I had already had some experience taking care of my parents throughout my childhood, but I think it was really cemented by, by having my, my, my big duties as, as I was starting to enter adulthood, be taking care of my grandparents. Mm. And I, I just, I just have to go back to the age that you said that this started. So you think about age 14, right? You think that that's around middle school age. And that is, that's when we're forming. Mm -hmm. We're trying to make sense of this world. We've kind of passed that blissful childhood. But you became your, your grandparents' caregiver at that point. Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't really old enough at the time to understand what was happening. Mm-hmm. Such a good point. How could you developmentally be able to be like, wait, this is not healthiest and best for me. And <laughs> on, honestly, I, I'm not sure that my parents knew what they were getting into taking care of my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's a really compassionate way to look at your parents and in the situation as well. How do you know? It's like, we don't know what we don't know, right? We don't know until we live it. Um, yeah. So can you share how this has bound you? Well, I, I really, a lot of the times in my life, I, I don't get a sense that I, um, that it's worthwhile for me to pursue something if it's for myself. Mm. The only way that I've been able to motivate myself to get any of the things done that I've gotten done have been framing it as something that I'm doing for other people. Like when I was successful in school, it was because I was successful for my parents. When I was able to take care of my grandparents, it was because I was doing that for them. But then whenever I try to find motivation because it would be good for me, it, I, I feel like I've, like I fall short. Mm. That makes sense. Cause there's something, there's something gets in the way of it being okay. If it's for you. 
Yeah, like the the oxygen mask in the airplane thing. All it's always seemed super counterintuitive to mm-hmm. me. <laughs> yeah, and I and I feel like it really holds me back because I get into this cycle of I don't take care of myself. I get to be around other people. The flaws that I've fostered in in myself, in my personality, in my spirit, in my mind. Um, they're jagged and they end up cutting the people that are closest to me. I remember you mentioning that in our pre-interview. So this, this concept of, you know, it's your default is taking care of others first. However, you are acknowledging, which may even have helped you, you know, have the courage and bravery to be on this podcast is that you are seeing that if you don't take care of yourself, it actually does impact your loved ones, the ones that you do want to help. And I think that's been what, what's been the, the most painful about, about learning this lesson. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I could, I could take or leave something bad happening to me, but the, the reason that I justify it to myself, this like self-neglect is because I want to help others. And ultimately it's only hurting myself. It only hurts myself. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's like, again, I know I use the word layers, but you can see, you can see how it's all just intertwined, right? How all the Mm -hmm. layers are intertwined. Self-neglect. You have good language. Uh, I like the way you word things. (laughs) That's exactly, that's exactly it. So again, it's how, how can we transform this story? So it's both because it's like what you said, you don't want to completely destroy this caregiving part of you. But No, I, I think it's the part of myself that I admire the most, the part of myself that wants to care for others, that wants to be um, soft and affectionate and, and passionate and loving. Mhm. Mhm. It's like that's it's also the part of me that's self-sacrificing and um self-sabotaging in a way. Yeah. So it's just finding that balance. Finding that balance where you're you're just as important and fe- feeding others feeds you and feeding you feeds others. Mhm. Yeah. But it's just it's so hard for me to see it that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely, that's the construct that we have to help help you break through, right? Um, I remember asking you this question and I want to ask you it again for listeners to hear. And that is, what would it look like if you no longer had the story that a caretaker is a martyr and that it's dangerous and not generous for you to take care of yourself first? What would it look like? I think I would find it easier to give care to others. Mm. I think that I would feel more confident and I would feel more sure in my, in my ability to help others and in my ability to help myself. I think that I would walk around with less with less damage, like self-inflicted damage. Mm -hmm. I feel like I would have a closer connection to God. I feel like I would make the environment around me more beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, there's an Alan Watts quote that really speaks to me about uh, about us, about what we are, our place in the universe, how we are the universe making sense of itself, ob- observing itself, admiring itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alan Watts has so many um, just wise quotes. And I I was looking, I was trying to look because I wanted to capture what you had said in the pre-interview because you had mentioned that quote as well. And it does, it feels like it's it that living from that place is a part of this. And being able to recognize the inherent sameness in the people around you, Mm -hmm. being able to see yourself and others and being able to love yourself and others rather than recoil or cringe. Yes. Yes. I love it. And, and I can't help but take it back to this as well in that, you know, for all, we're all connected and we're all witnessing each other and we're all the same, then feeding us does feed others. Cause that's, that's the belief, right? That's like, mm. <laughs> like you said, the oxygen mask, you're like, are you sure we're supposed to put on someone else first or on ourselves first? Are you sure about that? See, I even slipped right there. Did you notice mm-hmm. that? I know. So I, I, I hear you with this. Yeah. I just know that those things that you said, feeling more confident, um, feeling you even said it, that it would actually be easier to take care of others if you're taking care of yourself first. Like, so again, there's that intellectual knowing, the connection to God, the clarity, the discernment, um, the security. Um, I definitely want all this for you. And I know our listeners do. And I know that all the listeners that can relate to this because like I said, the caregiver struggle is real. And, and when you have that role and when you have to break through the belief that something is going to happen if you're not doing that, um, then but it is. I, I really, I, I, I want to break this cycle. I don't want to make the same mistakes that my parents made in, mm-hmm. in not, uh, not preparing me for the burden of taking care of others while also taking care of myself. Yes. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I remember you sharing that in the pre-interview, this, this changing of legacy, right? Um, Because what happens when that isn't modeled, right? When, when taking care of yourself is not modeled, um, how do you never be learned? Yes, exactly. Because you know, nothing else. Um, yeah. So I, I know that my parents didn't learn it from my grandparents Mm -hmm. and I know that, uh, I only learned it from my parents in, by way of like a bad example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What not to do. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think I would be able to understand it much better if I, if I were able to more clearly visualize um, visualize the way I can logically see it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Visualize a way that you can logically see it. 
Yeah. Is it kind of like, because when I use my, my logical brain, my, I can say all these things that that we've talked about, you know, that it would be easier for me if I took care of myself. But in the moment when I'm, when I'm saying, oh, do I brush my teeth this morning? Do I eat breakfast? I'm not able to see, uh, I'm not able to see the forest for the trees. Yes. Yeah. That, that self-nurturing in that moment isn't the default. You mm-hmm. have to like go against the current to, to get to that place right now. It's not always going to yeah. be like that, but right now it's like that. Yeah. Does this feel like a good time to pause and see what Mick and Tess have in store for you? I would absolutely love to see what Mick and Tess have in store for me. (laughs) All right. All right. So we're going to pause and go backstage and uh, find out what song they are going to prescribe to our participants. I'll be be waiting right here. (laughs) Okay. We are back with Mick and Tess. And once again, another time where I kind of wish everyone was backstage with us because some beautiful, beautiful things were exchanged um, for our participant. And I'm just going to hand it over because I don't think I could articulate it as well as they will through this song and the reasons they chose it. So Mick and Tess. Let's hope so anyway. (laughs) We chose Love's Divine by Seal for the participant. Because it's it's a healing song. It's about um, honoring yourself and loving yourself, and and that's that's a good thing for <laughs> for the participant. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, the song has a lot of longing in it. And you know, in my experience, I've really found how, how potent that longing inside. Because somewhere inside all of us, we're longing to be more authentic. We're longing to be more connected with ourselves. And whether we're aware of it consciously or not, I believe it's there. And I think when we open up that door, we can feel ourselves be drawn in to a deeper connection with our true true self. And this song is a, just a beautiful vehicle for that. Um, and, and as I was t- talking to the participant, it's also an amazing vocal just on, on its own. And to uh, just open up to allow, allow one's voice to soar and, and, and dive and, you know, yeah. all the things that this song asks you to do. That alone is a, a powerful journey. And then, of course, whatever feelings that the song evokes and brings up and, and, and just, you know, pour it into the song. Just pour everything that comes through. Just let, let yourself just bring it through the song, the waves of light that the song brings. Okay? Uh, absolutely. Thank you so much. And have you heard this song before? Do you I've know? never heard this song before in my life, but I'm all about healing, loving the transformative power of love. Yeah. All right. Yay. And I applaud your courage. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's a, a beautiful a, thing. It's a, a real privilege to see you, to meet you to today. Meet you. Yes. Yes. Oh, well, thank you everybody for being a part of this. And as always, um, the listeners will be able to hear this song and I know everyone will be healed by it alongside our participant. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.
If you'd like to be a participant on Illuminating the Stories That Bind Us, please fill out the form on jenniferhcarry.com. Jennifer would like to thank every single person that makes this possible, including all of the listeners. Because of you listening and sharing these stories, we may illuminate them and unbind the participants stuck in them. And to the participants, your courage and bravery makes this possible. Thank you. A million thank yous to Cassie Brooks Bowling and her team in making this mission come alive and keep it breathing. You can follow Jen at Jennifer H. Carey on Instagram and on Facebook at Jennifer H. Carey Counseling.